welcome to the Faith, Health, and Home Digital Podcast. I am your host, Makeba Giles. Here we share information and resources for physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being to help families live an inspired lifestyle and encourage healthy living. Thank you for joining us. Bilal Alaji is an entrepreneur, mentor, investor, motivational, and public speaker. As CEO of Illustrious Shoes and O Ramadan, Bilal is a transformational leader that uses his platform to inspire and educate others. His most recent book titled, This Ain't My Life, is a compelling story of Bilal's journey to finding his destiny. Growing up Muslim, Bilal's experienced many trials through his youth, with his father leading him down an arduous path. As he fights and claws his way out of every obstacle, he relies on his faith to pull him through. Joining me now is Bilal Alaji. Thank you so much for joining me today. Yes, thank you for having me. Oh, I feel so honored and blessed to be here today. Likewise. Now, first, um, Bilal, I want to start off by saying that this is a very interesting and timely day to talk to you. Um, we're doing this on a very weary day in our nation. Um, today is Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin has been charged with the third degree murder and manslaughter of George Floyd, who died when he was pinned to the ground by Officer Chauvin. And there's also the arrest of CNN reporter Omar Jimenez on live TV that happened this morning um, while his fellow co-workers stationed about a block away did not receive the same treatment. Um, tell us, as an, as an African-American man, um, I would like for you to share in your own words, what are you personally feeling right now about all that's happening and how you feel this is impacting the mindset of particularly African-American men when it comes to self-acceptance? Absolutely. And thank you for allowing me to speak on an issue as prevalent as this one is. So for me and many men right now, we right now are feeling endangered. We are not feeling welcomed. We are not feeling that this is a society that we can walk in and be constructive and positive. Any and everything that we do has a negative connotation put on it. And this now is feeling like we are you know, prisoners of war. We are now at a time where we have marks on our back. And nothing that anyone can say, nothing that anyone can show us has changed that narrative. We were told that at one time that we were predators and that we were gangsters and that we were just drug dealers. We tried to change that narrative by, you know, being productive in our communities, going to school and doing other things and now you know you have many ball players you have rappers and entertainers who are making lots of money and yet they're still being profiled and harassed and treated as if they're still criminals so what do we tell our young boys what do we tell our young women how do we defend ourselves how do we protect ourselves in a time when any and everything you do is looked at as a threat is looked at as if you are um, doing something to create this type of darkness that we're experiencing. And so 
now we have to, as a black community and also black men, we are forced to come together now. We are forced, it doesn't matter what religion, creed, theology or understanding you're under, it doesn't matter. We now have to come together and we have to now decide on how we are going to move forward into tomorrow with raising our young boys and with raising our young girls so that we now can protect each other and we can protect our own interests. Absolutely. I, I definitely agree with that. And um, you alluded to so much that we have achieved um, just over the, the past several decades and, and generations. And it reminds me of um, Jay-Z's song, Story of OJ, you know, that right. no matter what we do, no matter what we accomplish, we're still at the end of the day going to be looked at the same. So um, I appreciate you for addressing the fact that now is the time for us to come together um, now more than ever. And with the with everything that you mentioned, um, there's definitely that sense of, of vulnerability um, that men are feeling right now. And one of the things that you talk about in your book is how men can find their strength through vulnerability. So as people are watching what's unfolding right now, in our country tell us um what would you like to give what advice would you like to give to african-american men to help them find their strength through this vulnerable time right now well first of all that's an excellent question and a good segue into a lot of the components that i speak about in the book but before i even explain to men what it is they can do I think it's important that men even identify that this is an issue that we do face. A lot of men don't even understand that a lot of what they go through is because they fear vulnerability. They fear being in a place that may, may look, make them look, uh, you know, um, sensitive or may look, you know, like they're in a weak place at their life at that time. And, you know, for a long time men have been taught to not expose themselves in that way. I believe that women, you guys do that a lot better than we do. And so I like to teach men now to try to take a page out of women's book by just identifying their feeling and understanding that, you know, through vulnerability, we do find strength, but you have to at least be aware that you are vulnerable. And vulnerable is not a, it doesn't define you. It's not a definition. It's just a place that you are at this moment to get you to another place that you want to be in. But you have to transition. You have to go through these learning phases. You have to go through things that are teaching you to level up or get exactly where it is that you want to be. So if you cannot first identify and just say, you know, what is happening right now? How does this make me feel? then you can at least be in a space where you could say, all right, well, you know, I do feel this way about it. I do feel that, you know, I didn't think I was going to feel this way or this is how I feel about it. Whatever that answer is for you, at least just be aware of it. And then once you're aware of it, you can embrace those feelings. You can just say, you know, it is what it is. And you can begin to, with it, you can begin to embrace whatever difficulty or whatever 
obstacle it is that's in your life and add it to your journey, add it to your story. And from there, you can find your hidden treasure, your hidden lesson. Like you can find what wasn't meant for you because everything we go through in life is there for us to learn something from. And although, you know, as tragic as things may be, as, as dark as things may get, and, you know, there's times where I've went through things that, you know, I just didn't think that I was going to recover from. And I'm sure most people can, you know, they can relate to that. They can relate to being in really dark places. And you can't always see the light at the end of the tunnel. You can't always see the, the silver lining. But it's there. But there's a, a process to go through to handling vulnerability. And I would say, lastly, um, one of the more important components is to share your feelings. Now, this may be the toughest of all to execute because it leaves you exposed. Also because not everyone is worthy of your trust or has earned your trust to share such vulnerabilities with. This is a judgment call. If there is no one you can confide in, then it would be best to write it down in a journal or talk with a higher power. Sharing your feelings is an important, it's important for you to release toxins and unwanted energy from your body. So through these three components, I believe that this will allow men to transform into better versions of themselves, right? It will allow them to kind of just, you know, see things differently and have different experiences where we'll be able to empathize more, we'll be able to use emotional intelligence, we'll be able to understand others and others will be able to understand us better as long as we're dialoguing about what it is that we're going through and experiencing. Absolutely, I agree. And I love how you said that faith plays an important part of that. And um, I just want to touch upon a Bible verse that speaks to that, which is Romans 12 verses 2 and 3. I will not conform, but transform. So that transformation is definitely important right now in this time for, for men, like you said, for all men. Um, now you talked about what men can do. And let's shift that a little bit because you did also say that women kind of do that a little better than men do. Tell us um, what advice would you have for women to help support and cultivate um, that transformation in the men in their lives? What can we do to be more helpful and more encouraging? So the very first thing is I, I was speaking with my sister not too long ago and she asked me the same question because she was listening to me and she said, wow, you know, some of the points that you're making are very profound. And she has an 18-year-old son. And in particular, she was going through some, you know, I guess, obstacles with him. And she realized that when there were some things that I was speaking about that she was like, wow, I'm going to start using that when I deal with him because I don't want him to be self-conscious or I don't want him to feel that I'm not being supportive. I don't want him to feel that I put more emphasis into dialoguing and speaking with my female children than I do with my male child. So I think that's where it begins. It begins with parents and, you know, co-partners and relatives, it just begins with a lot of dialogue. And that dialogue helps us to understand. It gets us into a place of, you know, 
understanding the other's position, the other's point of view, the other's perspective. And it allows uh, men that voice that they don't have. A lot of men, when they're dealing with women, one of the major complaints is, is that, you know, they're always over-talked. They're not heard. Um, you know the old cliche is you can't win an argument with a woman, right? So giving the man an opportunity to speak where you're actually hearing him. You're not being defensive. You're not uh, trying to argue a point. You're actually extracting his point of view. And when you allow that, it allows you to be more sensitive to his point of view. And you may not agree with it, you may not understand it, but at least you're hearing it and you're getting your man into a comfortable space. You're getting your child into a comfortable space, your co-partner into a comfortable space of speaking with you and he knows and feels supported. Once that begins, then the process of just being able to express these vulnerabilities and share those vulnerabilities can become easier as time moves on. You won't even have to go to seek it. Maybe he'll come to you and he'll ask for your advice or he'll say, what do you think of this? And it will become just like a comfortable space for him. I love that you shared that. I appreciate you sharing that, especially for uh, mothers and sons. I have two sons myself. Um, one is an adult son. He's 23. And then the other one is 13. And so um, and having raising them and continuing to be there for them in that motherly role and, you know, as a, a primary female in their lives, I do know how important it is to keep that conversation with them open and to welcome um, their opinions and any exchange with empathy. So I'm so glad that you touched upon that because it's very important to hear a man say that. That, that that's definitely something that, you know, women should strive to do um, with their sons, like you said, with their spouses or their mate, um, with any man in their lives. They really, we, we well, really just well, need let to me, do. Let me just jump in. I am so glad that you shared that within this interview because you acknowledging that lets women know that one, it can be done, right? And two, that it's necessary. That's what I just received from, you know, what you just shared. And what I would like to know from you is, did you feel that when you exercised that empathy, when you opened that door for dialogue and you were speaking with them, did you find that it made a difference? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, my adult son, my 23-year-old son, um, we still, he's, you know, on his own now and college graduate and everything. And we still have an open communication very close today, even with everything that's going on right now. Um, we've talked about it. He, he calls me or texts me and say, you know, hey, mom, you know, this is how I feel. Um, the part of town that he lives in is, is um, kind of it's not a diverse area of our of our city. Right. So right. Um, we have discussed, you know, different things. Um, in terms of how he feels, even when he's driving from point A to point B, you know, what should he look out for? Um, how he feels, you know, should he 
have an encounter um, with the police officer, with anyone, you know, who may try to come at him in a negative way. And so just for him to be um, on the opposite side of town, <laughs> pretty much, you know, on his own, and he still feels comfortable with coming to me proactively and saying, hey, mom, you know, let's talk about this, or, or I just want to let you know how I feel. That meant the world to me and it makes a lot of difference with him too because we can exchange feelings and strategies together and then he can take that out into his corporate life you know his his um life with his social life with his friends things of that nature so it definitely makes a difference for sure oh yes and i'm gonna tell you by you doing what you did what you really the most that you put into him was actually confidence so he knows now that he has a voice, and he also knows that his voice can be received. And we as men, it's, it's so important that our framework growing up is, is framed the way you did it because it shapes how we see women. It shapes how we move into other relationships, whether it be with, you know, a co-partner, a life partner, or with a daughter you know, or, you know, even a, a in-law. I'll even go as far as even inside the workplace because you have to deal with, you know, female supervisors and, and others. So how you're able to voice yourself appropriately and be received, it allows you to have that confidence to speak up or to, to say the things that you need to say. Voice your own opinion and begin to... Um, share with others when things are not always the best or when something may be hurting you. You've put him in that framework. And, you know, I really commend you for that because this is where, as I write in my book, it's where society kind of uh, placed us in this pigeonhole place where we were taught to be macho. And the machismo that we were involved in led us down a path where we could not share those vulnerabilities. We could not say something was hurting us. We could not share that with the world because it made you look weak. It made you look incompetent. It made you look less than what society said you was as a man. So we wanted to remain within status quo. You know, the macho man, Randy, Randy Savage, the Terminator, and, you know, all of these great heroes that we look up to that, you know, they never faltered or they never cried in a movie. You know, things happened to them and it just happened. And you kept on moving and walked on. But we know in life that's not real. We know that there are things in our lives that if we don't address them a certain way, um, just, you know, not crying and not having human emotion can lead to sickness. It can lead to bodily Ill ailments. So by you allowing him to have that is it's monumental. It's a milestone in his life. It's very important because now he can teach that to the next generation and he won't look at it as a threat. You know, oh, he's not talking back to me. No, he's sharing. He's not, you know, um, he's not being aggressive. He's voicing his opinion. So we, we just changed the narrative a little and allowed him that space. And unfortunately, a lot of men grew up without that. So they act out what they're trying to say. And it becomes um, more like what a child would do versus what a man should do. And it's, you know, I'm building 
so that we can move into the proper man, male-like behaviors, proper way that men should be. Indeed, indeed. And I'm glad that you um, talked about that confidence in that. That's something... Um, that's something that's that's very important. I tell my 13-year-old son, um, he just turned 13 last month, and I tell him pretty much every day on a daily basis that it's okay to cry. It's okay to be afraid. It's okay to be nervous. You know, it's okay to be unsure. And I do this on a daily basis to give him that because he needs to know. It's just like you said. Um, he needs to know that those type of emotions aren't just you know for other people he can do it too and it's only through that that he can be free in whatever he's feeling and let it go like you said it's like breaking chains off of you when you have right. that open space to express your feelings and so that's something that i tell him on a daily basis that it's okay whatever you're feeling go ahead and express that um generational uh, mindsets you are absolutely correct in that and so um in having that that dynamic in my household because my husband is in his mid-50s so he grew up exactly like you said you know he grew up to be tough and macho and you know men don't cry and all that type of stuff and so um i decided to to work to change that you know, change that mindset of no, it's okay. And because of that, even as we watch the news together um, now, you know, especially with everything that's going on, he expresses himself. You know, he'll cry, he'll tear up, he'll say, you know, mommy, I feel scared, and we'll talk about it. Um, another big part of that is self-acceptance. It helps to cultivate that self-acceptance. Now, that's um, one of your main points in your book. Um, tell us a, a little bit about your journey to, to self-acceptance and um, tell us what it feels like to not fit into society's norms. Oh, man. Uh, I have went through a tremendous, you know, it was just almost like agony going through these different systems and going through these, you know, all of these different frameworks in my life and just never fitting in. And although I never really was a follower, I never was anyone who, who, who wanted to uh, follow the ways of others, you know, you do want to be socially accepted. And having that social acceptance means a lot, especially when you're impressionable, when you're young, when you're a kid. And um, that just really never happened for me. Uh, I did experience it a little bit better when I got maybe, you know, into my teens and my 20s. And, you know, I began to kind of experience my own life journey. But it was, you know, a very long time that it was, it was being awkward, being weird. Um, thinking different, not talking like everyone else, not thinking like everyone else, and just trying to understand like what that was all about. And what made it even crazier was because it wasn't just all about religion. You know, there's so many nuances, as you and I know, even within the black community, that 
you know, we got our own webs that we enter into, you know, whether you're a Baptist or whether you're, you know, a Jehovah Witness and, you know, oh, you're a Muslim and, you know, it just, it got really crazy really quickly about the different dynamics within just the black community itself, you know, and just navigating that was an experience. And one thing I learned about, you know, my whole experience, just going through all of these different phases was, it was so important to embrace it. It was so important to change my mindset and how I looked at everything I was experiencing. You know, all of the dark times I had to now understand why was I going through it? Because if I believe in a higher power, I believe in this supreme entity, then I know that this higher power doesn't do anything to harm me. It's only for my betterment. And everything that happens to you, it happens not by accident. It happens because it was meant to happen. So if I know those things to be true, then that means the experiences I was having was for a reason. And I needed to be the one to figure out what that reason was. So right there, that's kind of like how I began to just say, like, I became like a little investigator, little scientist, and I said, what is going on? And from there, I was able to just change my mindset. And I began to see it like maybe that's not what it was about. Maybe I'm thinking of it in this wrong context, and I need to just change that. And I, I, I say in the book, um, what I did not know at the time was that I was being transformed in the darkness. There is a process for transformation. It does not happen overnight. The process is what I was struggling with. The pain I had to endure was more than I thought I could bear. Muslims always say, Allah will not place a burden on you greater than you can bear. I didn't feel the truth of this statement while I was going through this troubled time. It wasn't until I began to grow a little that I was able to endure a little more. That statement is, it just sums up how I was able to transition a lot from, you know, chapter 14, which is titled Triple Darkness, into Pure Faith and into I survived it. This was how that happened. Thank you for sharing that. That's so powerful, um, what you just shared. And I love that you touched upon how it's not an overnight thing. Um, we all have experiences that are unique just to us that we go through to make us the people that we are being called to be eventually in life and, and to take um, those experiences and use those to help inspire others. So that's exactly what you're doing with this book. You took your journey that was unique just for you, put it in this book. You speak all over the nation to do exactly that, to take your experiences and share them in hopes of helping someone else along their journey. So um, you're definitely appreciated for that and for sharing that. Now, um, you said, especially in, in youth, which um, is true, it's, it's hard when you're young to be confident in your uniqueness and in your unique journey. Um, tell us what are some tips that you have for young boys and teens for not only embracing their uniqueness, 
um, and being comfortable with the level of social acceptance that they may have, no matter what level it is, but also being confident in their faith in this day and age of social media, because we, we both know when you and I were growing up, social media wasn't a thing, but now it is. So um, what's some advice that you can give for um, young men to help them in their journey um, in this age of technology? That right there is the question. That's, that's like the million dollar question right now because most people are trying to figure that out. And to be honest with you, I think we, we are all survivors, right? No matter what's going to be thrown in front of us, we're going to find a way to find our way. And sometimes I think we may put too much onto something because one, it didn't happen in our development and in our stage. You know, just like, I guess, the inception of, let's say, rap music. You know, when rap music's inception came, there were elders who felt like, oh, my God, they're not going to make it. This is not music. This is too rough. This is too wild. But yet, the group who was going through that phase, they went through it okay. You know, they, they didn't do so bad. You know, they found how to use that new thing and, you know, kind of claim it. And, you know, there were those that found a voice in it. There were those who made careers out of it. And then there were those who just use it for listening pleasure and it helped them navigate through life. So I feel the same way with social media. I think when it comes to that platform, I think that as long as a lot of the young kids have the basic tools that they need, um, which are from their parents and from their influencers, uh, I'll give an example, such as teachers, uh, uncles and aunts, grandparents, people who really mean something in their lives, then you will be able to see them use that tool in the way that it's meant to be used. Now, for those who are a lot more impressionable, who don't really have, like social media is their influencer. They don't have a parent, uh, the other parent at home. They may not have uncles and aunts, and they just may not have that whole strong social um, framework. I would say to them that it's very important that they always do what feels right for them that they don't become so impressionable that they just follow what everyone else is doing and become just like a follower and a liker and, and someone who's so impressionable that you can't think for yourself. That becomes destructive. But when you're able to stand on your own loyals and figure out what means something to you and you find that foundation for yourself, then social media will be something great for you because you will be able to meet friends. You'll be able to have an influence on others. You'll be able to have your own voice. You know, there may be some people just right now with the whole Floyd issue right now, there are some people who don't agree with the arrest that you told me just took place. And you may be on social media and you can express how you may feel the arrest is appropriate. But if you're just going to go the way that everyone else is going, then this is a dangerous tool for you because it's, it's not putting you in a place to be who you were meant to be. You're not finding out who you are. You're just being impressionable by whatever is trending or whatever is happening uh, by the masses. And that's where it becomes very dangerous. But for I believe wholeheartedly that our youth right now 
are not in such a bad position as we think they are. And I must say that only because I think that so many things are happening in society that is causing them to kind of scale back and look at things. You know, COVID-19 being one. Then the issue that you're referring to where you are in Minneapolis and, you know, other situations like Eric Gardner and just so many topics to talk about that it's causing the youth to, to speak in a way that allows them to have that voice. And I think that we should continue to promote them having that voice and just make sure that they are always supported and that, you know, if we see them going in directions that we don't necessarily agree with, that we have that dialogue with them, but that we still give them that space and that freedom to express who and what they're trying to be, you know, with our supervision and guidance. And I think with that, they will be just fine. They'll be okay. They'll continue to be very productive citizens. They will reach um, maybe plateaus that we weren't able to reach because of the tools that are in front of them. Absolutely. Wonderful advice there. Now, um, on that same, in that same vein of talking about the journey of coming into who you uniquely are and using your voice boldly, um, tell us what inspired you to change your career and become a motivational speaker and write this book. Life. You know, life is the best teacher. So, you know, while I was in the music industry and, you know, I was working very hard, uh, you know, making a lot of headway, you know, with my music career, in, in the back scenes, you know, what was going on behind the stage and behind the scenes was a lot of chaos. And, you know, I was going through, you know, all kinds of mess with, you know, my children, custody battles, and, you know, there was so much drama that I speak about in the book that I had to make a decision on how all of this was going to play out. And because, you know, I went and I fought for my children and I gained custody of them, this long fight began to change a lot of um, what was happening in my personal life, and it kind of, you know, affected the trajectory of my professional life as far as being a music artist. But I don't also blame, I don't like to put all of the context on that, because I do believe that, you know, the higher power has a hand in a lot of things that you're doing. And when you are synchronized with the higher power, you have your, your faith center in alignment, you will find that you'll accelerate in the correct way that you was always meant to accelerate in. And I believe that there was just some, uh, a higher power, a hand was on me because I've always been using my voice but I was using it in an artistic way. I was always expressing my feelings, but I used it, you know, through rhythm and beat. And, you know, that was the form of expression I used as a younger man. But as I matured and, you know, I became a little bit more seasoned and I, I felt like that horizon, you know, kind of is now in, in the past it allowed me to blossom and grow into a more complete, in a more complete sense, to use all of the skills that I learned along that journey to now put it onto this platform. So I'm grateful. I'm grateful, completely grateful for um, the transition. And I feel that it was a wonderful experience. And I think that um, there's no love loss, you know, 
There should never be any love loss. You just look at it as an experience. And because of that um, experience, I now have the capability of relating to a lot of different segments of people. And I use that, you know, as a strength, you know, and I just add it onto my tool belt and I go out and I create this powerful fulfillment and, and now transition it into, you know, becoming the best version of yourself, finding your vision, your purpose, your life destiny. And I use all of these stronger components to now use that as my new motivation and my new, new words of speech. I love that. I love that. Now, you mentioned your um, struggle with parenthood. And I just want to say that I talked to, um, you're not alone, of course, but um, I talked to a Houston rapper, Trey the Truth, last year, and he was going through very similar situation in terms of um, custody battles and things of that nature. Um, you have experience in this and you have overcome this and, and came out successful on the other end. Um, what type of encouragement would you like to give to men who are in the same fight of parenthood right now that you experienced? And um, tell us what can they do to help retain their confidence and their self-acceptance and their self-worth through the entire process? I love this question. This is this is uh, right up my alley. Um, within the last chapter of the book, um, the epilogue, I actually speak about um, the whole court procedure, the whole court process. I talk about how skewed it is and how it's, uh, it's designed a certain way. It's designed to favor women because, again, men the societal construct that has been put on men, we have a label on us, whether, and it does have nothing to do with your ethnicity, religion, or your, um, your creed. When you use that word man, we already are labeled as incompetent. It doesn't, it means that, oh, he cannot care for a child. Um, so the child needs to go to the woman. And for men who, like myself, were dealing with women who were actually incompetent or who were found to be unfit, the very first thing you need to do is you need to learn your rights. You need to learn um, the positive and productive ways to go about um, the court process because there's a process of um, reclaiming your position as and your role as a parent. And once you do that, um, that allows you now to be inside of the system in a way where you are, you know, sort of like a shot caller where you now have leverage. You now can prove to the courts that, you know, you are in a favorable position because remember, you should not be going to court or dealing with the system. I don't believe in the court system at all. So let's just start there. I don't believe in it, but if you're going to use it, the system should only be used because you are using it in the best interest of the child. It should not be used in a vindictive manner. It shouldn't be because you're trying to get back at your ex and you want to show her that you're the better man and you're smarter than she is with legalese or with court procedure. That's not what this is about. What the real thing I would advise any two parents to do, as I do in the book, I advise you to be amicable 
amicable is the way to go. Amicable allows the child, whether male or female, to see that the black couple can break up and have closure properly. That is one of the main problems in our community is that we never get proper closure. And so we have these generational problems, which IE will be the court system of how we mitigate and resolve issues. Why do we need someone else to tell us how to resolve an issue? Why do we need someone else who, who does not have an interest in your child to now have an interest in your child? Why can't the two parents who have an interest in a child put their ego and their feelings to the side and look at what they have co-created and bring this beautiful co-creation into its best elements so that it will be given its best uh, chance to succeed. So I'm going to, you know, come back and say, listen, the really best thing for you to do is to talk with your ex-partner and, you know, I, I talk about um, laying your boundaries and your expectations. When you lay boundaries and expectations, you, you create a framework. You create a foundation that, you know, it's like don't cross this line. And if both parties are able to do that, then they can work around the expectations. And then they know what's expected of them. And, again, see how this goes back to dialogue? And because we are not doing that, we're allowing others to, you know, be the referee in our situations. And that's why it's causing us so much problems. This is a financial problem. Uh, once you get into the court system, families get involved. And now the aunt doesn't want to see her, her nephew. And now the grandmother doesn't want to be involved. And, you know, you got two families now arguing against each other and don't like the ex-partner and it just becomes a bigger mess that the child now has to now deal with when, as they're getting older. So I learned through my situation, even though, yes, I did go through the system, if you have no other option, then, yes, you have to go through the system because that is the law. Um, but if you can avoid it by just being amicable, by just being kind and, you know, talking things out and seeing the other's point of view. Let, the, let this woman know what your expectations are, what you're willing to provide. Stand behind your word. Be an upstanding man and, you know, talk to her when things are not going so well or when she's not, you know, doing, meeting your expectations. Then you will find that, you know what, this can work peacefully. Again, if you're going through the court system, you're going to have to take time to learn the law and learn what your rights are. You're going to have to learn language like obligor. You're going to have to learn what it means to be, you know, um, a partial parent and a full parent. And, you know, who's going to have a majority of the right over the children. And you're going to have to accept uh, whatever, you know, the constructs of court provides for you. If you're only dealing with visitation, then, you know, just honor your visitation, maintain your child support um, garnishments, and remain positive. You know, I think that's where a lot of men mess up. We, we, because we don't express ourselves and because we don't necessarily have a platform to express ourselves, it's not like we have men groups 
where you can go and talk about, you know, okay, how's child support affected you? Oh, oh, that happened to me too. Oh, wow. Okay, well, you know, well, what would you like for, uh, to come out of it? What What is your end game? Men are not thinking on those levels, and so they're reacting. They're acting out how they are feeling instead of voicing how they're feeling, and it's it's causing more tension. It's causing more problems. So, you know, three things. Start with the amicable you know, state your your um, expectations, lay your foundation and framework, try that first. That doesn't work. If you will go into the court system, which technically is illegal, it's not based on a legal framework, but if you do go into it, know that um, you will have to learn a lot about your rights and what it means to be, you know, the opposite parent and go through this long drawn out um, process without vengeance or vindictiveness and keeping your child uh, first and foremost. Excellent advice that you share there. Thank you so much for sharing that. I'm sure it's gonna help many men who are listening and women as well um, who will listen to um, this conversation. Now you shared in life situations that they can um, have men to be perceived as incompetent um that's one thing you touched upon which we know over time um just knowing that that perception is out there it that can definitely take a toll on men's mental health now i want to dive into your book a little more um what are some of the things that you did along your journey of sept acceptance with everything that you went through to safeguard your own mental health oh that was very hard um Faith played a large factor in that, and I was losing my mental health, uh, whether I would like to admit it or not, but I was. And I think it was because of not only my frustration, but the darkness that I was in by, one, not being heard and having that platform to be heard. Um, a lot of men within our community are not experiencing therapy. They're not experiencing um, positive ways to voice themselves. So when we do see men, we, we constantly see them yelling or we see them at a point where they're already frustrated. It's already at a point of being too late. So for me, um, I was able to come through a lot of this darkness only because the Most High put his hand on me. And I chose to accept that hand in my point of darkness. And I believe it was through that point that my transformation began because I began to, you know, see things so differently. I began to feel his presence in a way that I may not have felt it before. And I knew that if I just continued down that journey that I would be able to find him more and I would be more at peace with myself. It takes a lot of courage to admit your wrongs. It takes a lot of courage to look at your situation and realize that you played a part in it. Um, yes, you may not have played 100%, but it is really daunting to hear men or hear relationships and people who are going through problems and they just never want to look at the role they played or they never want to accept the percentage of you know, where they may have been in the situation. People who believe that everything they did was right and everything is going wrong in their life because 
you know, people are attacking them and people are doing this and people are doing that. You have to have courage to be able to work on yourself. You have to be able to get into a space of personal development and begin to realize that everything that's happening to you is because you are allowing it to happen. You are the reason. And see, when you take that kind of ownership, that level of ownership allows you to be in the driver's seat, and now you have to make some choices. You have to make some decisions on how the rest of this drive is going to be. You can't blame everyone. And once you stop blaming everyone and allow yourself to, you know, take ownership, you make the necessary changes to be a better version of yourself. You change your thinking and you change the outcome. And that's what happened to me. You know, I forgave people. I sat and I just, whether I understood it or not, I just said, you know, what happened happened. It's in the past now. And I had to now start understanding, like, where did I want to be at this point in my life? What was my vision? Where do I want to go? And then the most important question was, how do I get there? And so it allows you to stop being so distracted. It allows you to stop focusing on everyone else or everything that did happen. It allows you to stop looking at seasons and making reasons for where you are. You begin to now take ownership and say, okay, I want to go this way. I want to do these things. And there's a lot of components to get to where you want want to go. You have to, you know, read. You got to, you know, specialize in something. You got to begin to, you know, walk in that light, walk in the direction that you want to go. And you're not going to get there by being a novice or being an intermediate level type person, but you got to start somewhere. And I talk a lot about how, um, in the book, I talk about how um, when I was in a lot of the painful situations I was in and I was coming out of it, I never looked at like resistance when it came to emotion and feelings the way I looked at it when I was working out and using weights. Like I had no problem with resistance when I was working out. I remember there was a weight that I wanted to get to and I just couldn't get there. And I stuck with it. You know, I kept taking small actionable steps and I was doing all of the things in weight training that you do to meet the goal that you want to meet. But I wasn't doing that in my emotional space. I wasn't doing that in my feeling space. And that's why I was never meeting goals because I was, you know, just reacting to what was happening opposed to meeting that resistance point and um, searching to meet a new resistance point. So I teach it, I teach how I went through that and how you can overcome and transform into your better self, you know, within the book. And I think that, um, let me just read this quote to you. To remain constant, I have constructed a vision board with a section titled Personal Development. In this section, I highlight all the things about myself that I want to work on improving. I monitor my progress and reward myself when markers are met. This is how you're going to get where you want to go. You actually have to invest into yourself. You have to not allow influencers, situations, obstacles, and, and everything that 
bombards us because that's what life does. Life challenges you to really own what you say you want. That's how you get to where you want to go. Life is going to step in and say, oh, you really want that? We'll see. You know, and you're going to walk through the monsoon desert. You're going to go through an oasis. You're going to go through the jungle. But eventually you're going to get there. You may even climb a mountain. And how's the best way and what is the best way to climb a mountain? Don't look down. You just keep taking step after step, walking up, and you focus on the end point. That's how I got to where I was. I wanted to be. Wow, that's just so powerful. You actually touched upon my last question for you um, quite a bit, which is um, that next month, June, is Men's Health Month. And we know overall health entails physical, spiritual, and emotional health. And you talked about how you were working out, but that wasn't really helping you emotionally. Um, and we know that all of that is connected. So um, tell us, what is your personal message that you would like to give to men in terms of physical, spiritual, and emotional health for Men's Health Month? physical, spiritual, and emotional. So that second one you mentioned, spiritual, that probably is the most important for me. Um, I, I would like to even start with that one. So your spiritual is your foundation. That is the point, you know, that is the root in the ground, right? Yes, we see the tree on the top, but that tree has roots that go very far into the ground. What, what you see up is also um, below. So you cannot build upon nothing without having a framework, without having a foundation. And I, would, I will advise and tell any men out there that whatever spiritual foundation you have is going to be important for you moving forward because not having that means that you are easily blown away. You can be swept away uh, within any type of situation or any type of obstacle because you didn't have a framework that would hold you together. That foundation is now gone. God speaks about it in all types of religions about having that foundation, how to believe in him, how to have that remarkable five-letter word, faith. And faith and spirituality and building that foundation is the key. Now, your physical, the physical, yes, it's important because physical leads to health ailments, and, and it just, just leaves you feeling good, you know? Like, there's nothing better than, you know, going into the mirror and just loving yourself, right? Like, wow, you know, you the, you the ish. I like you. I love you, you know? And it's important even for your own confidence. So, yes, build your physical component up, you know? And physical ties into also diet, right? You want to make sure that you're eating right. You know, men are not the, we're not uh, so prone to go to the doctor. We're not so prone to really watch our sugar levels, salt levels. Hypertension is uh, because you're getting into arguments and you're not allowing things to, you know, roll off your shoulder. You're not looking at the other person's point of view and you're trying to control and dominate the situation. You know, all of these ailments that we have, can be addressed by you staying within your framework, you know, keeping a proper diet. It will allow you to have a better physical output and you'll, you'll be able to perform 
Um, age is not a factor in what I'm saying. Don't let age be a factor in anything that I'm saying. It doesn't matter what your age is. As long as you're treating that body right and you're treating that mind right, your, your framework will be productive. The emotional component is very key. Again, our spirituality starts this off. But I will say that emotional for me and how I teach it is tied into personal development. Personal development is you working on those things that you will be able to not only um, digest for yourself, but when you're out in the community, you know, read books like How to Win Friends and Influence People. You know, learn how to manage other people, how to deal with relationships. Read books on relationships. Don't allow yourself to be confined by whatever theology or whatever um, generational ideology you came from. Explore. Learn. Um, learn from the women that were in your lives. You know, everybody comes into your life. Why? To teach you something. Every person that you came in, in a path or a cross path with, they were in your path to teach you. That's what they were there for. So learn what it is that you were supposed to learn from them. Keep an open mind. Um, work on your own emotional state. Learn when you're vulnerable, how you react when you're vulnerable. Put a plan together of how you're going to manage being vulnerable so that you can deal with it better. You know, um, share those feelings with the right people. If you can't share it with anyone, start a journal. Start a journal. Write your feelings and your thoughts down. Yeah, you might say, oh, that sounds girlyish. I, I'm not writing my feelings down. Listen, man, I didn't say you had to go buy a pink book with a pink pen. You can use your electronic device, go to Evernote, and write down what you experienced that day, how you felt, and what you learned, and it will be very manly for you. But it's very important that you develop into this new person that you want to be. You, in order to do to become a new person, you got to do new things. You can't do what you were doing before to become somebody new. You got to come out of your comfort zone, come out of your your little space, and you got to develop yourself. That's that's where the emotional part comes in because as you begin to work on yourself, you'll begin to see the improvements. You'll begin to see how people embrace you more. You may begin to have less conflict with women, and you're wondering why. But it's only because you use small little techniques. Everything is not as bad as we make it out to be. We create the boogeyman. We create the monsters. But we can also create happiness. We could create peace. And we could create love in our society. Words of wisdom right there. Words of wisdom. Thank you again a million times for sharing um, your words of wisdom and your experience with us today. And I just want to let everyone know that your book, This Ain't My Life, is more than a book of personal testimony. It is a book of strength, a book of motivation, and a book of power for all men. Um, you can find Bilal's book available now in paperback, hardcover, audio, and digital version on Amazon and all other major retailers and bookstores. And you can also connect with Bilal on Facebook and Twitter as well as his website. I want to thank you so much for joining me today in this conversation. It has been a pleasure. It's been an honor 
and I wish you the best of success in your future endeavors. This was a wonderful conversation to have during this time that we're in right now in our nation. So thank you greatly. Oh, and thank you. And you know, for all the listeners, I would love for you to contact me and tell me what you thought, what you learned. You know, even if you just give a thumbs up or you say what exactly was said that is just touched you in a special way. So, yes, you know, reach out to me. I will, I will respond. I will engage you. And I want to thank you for having me on the show during these troubled times and giving us that platform to be able to, you know, speak upon such strong issues and also talk about our own closet and talk about what we need to do to be better people and better versions of ourselves. And I love this conversation so much so that I would love to be back in, on your show Maybe we can do a follow-up and, um, you know, we can talk about some more issues and share, you know, from a male's point of view and also from a societal point of view, you know, where we are and how we can uh, make some great changes. Oh, absolutely. I would love to have you back. Just know you are welcome anytime. So Thank I you. would love Thank that you so, so much. much. Yes, absolutely. Um, thank you again, Bilal, and, and don't forget to connect with Bilal on Facebook and Twitter. Um, after you hear our conversation, let us know what you think, and also be sure to pick up his book, This Ain't My Life. It's definitely um, worth having, not only for you to read, but pass it on to every man in your life. Um, it's definitely a life changer. And thank you again, Bilal, for joining me today. I really do appreciate it, and we hope to talk to you again in the future. You're welcome anytime. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the Faith, Health, and Home digital podcast. For transcripts of this episode and others, visit our website at faithhealthandhome.com. Also, be sure to subscribe to our podcast and connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. Thank you again for joining us.